the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You see, God gave us a brain, and he wants us to use it. In Isaiah 1, God spoke through his prophets, saying, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. God wants us to use the brain that he has given us. Hmm, that actually sounds a lot like something my mom or dad might have said to me (laughs) many years ago. How about you? Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse, and Pastor Leighton Sheely, our teacher, is moving into the third chapter of the book of John. This is a new message in the series, and if you've missed any of the previous messages, they are always available on our website, our ministry website, at studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. Open your Bible, if you can, to the book of John in the New Testament the third chapter, and study along with Pastor Layton. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So the author continues his goal in showing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And he does so chiefly in two ways. He narrates some of the signs and the miracles that Jesus did, and he also records for us some of the conversations Jesus had and some of the teachings that Jesus spoke. Now, When the author records for us conversations with people who are making an inquiry, he has a a certain pattern that he follows. And we see that pattern very clearly here. Uh, The the inquirer says something. That's found in verse 2. Jesus answered in saying this hard to understand. Verse 3. That saying is misunderstood by the person making the inquiry. Verse 4. Jesus answered with a saying that's even more difficult to understand. Verse 5. And then follows a discourse and an explanation. We're going to find that this is also true in chapter 4 when he speaks with the woman at the well. Now, the author uses this method in order to see 
that we might see that men are thinking things out for themselves, and we should do the same. You see, God gave us a brain, and he wants us to use it. In Isaiah 1, God spoke through his prophets saying, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. God wants us to use the brain that he has given us. Let's look at verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, this section is logically tied with the previous section that we looked at last week. You remember that uh, at the end of the second chapter, there were people who saw the miracles, the signs that Jesus did, and they believed in him, but he did not believe in them. They did not receive uh, salvation because they were merely superficial believers. All they wanted was the show that Jesus provided in doing the miracles. And uh, Nicodemus is another example of superficial believers, as we find here. Uh, and instead of affirming his supposed profession, uh, Jesus points him to the life-transforming nature of true saving faith. Now, for the most part, we see Jesus surrounded by ordinary people, but here we see him in contact with one of the aristocracy of Jerusalem. Now, we know a few things about Nicodemus because of what the scriptures tell us. We know that he was wealthy, he was powerful, and he was religious. We know that he was wealthy because when Jesus died, uh, it was Nicodemus who brought for his body a mixture of myrrh and aloes of about a hundred pound weight. And only a wealthy person could afford something like that. We also know that he was powerful because it says here that he was a ruler of the Jews. That means that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the governing authority in Israel. Now, the tradition from which uh, the Sanhedrin comes from is the 70 who were appointed by Moses to assist him in governing the people of Israel as they traveled across the wilderness. Then after the exile, Ezra reestablished the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin consisted of about 70 men who were from influential priestly families and elders who were the leaders of tribes and families and scribes who were the experts in the law and any uh, former high priests who were still alive. And that's why Ananias and Caiaphas are mentioned in the scripture. They were two high priests that were alive at the same time. Now, under the Romans, the Sanhedrin exercised some wide-ranging powers in civil, criminal, and religious matters, although the Romans withheld the power of capital uh, judgment. And that's why, after the trial of the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin had to appeal to Pilate in order to crucify uh, Jesus. But it had the authority to make arrests and hold trials, and the Sanhedrin had religious jurisdiction over every Jewish person in the world. And one of its duties was to examine anyone who was suspected of being a false prophet. And it may have been that that was a contributing reason why Nicodemus arranged to meet with Jesus. Now, he was also a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were the religious elite the word Pharisee means separated ones. It comes from a word meaning to separate. And they were separate from normal people because they were so zealous for the law of Moses and the oral traditions that were passed down. There was never more than 6,000 of them. And in order to become a member of the Pharisees, you had to accept a pledge or take a pledge in front of three witnesses that you would spend your entire life 
observing every detail of the scribal law. The scribal law. Not the law of God, but the scribal law. Now, the law of God consisted of wide, great, noble principles which required men to think about how they would apply to any given situation. But that wasn't enough for some Jewish people. They thought that the law is complete, it contains everything necessary for living a good life, and therefore in the law must be a regulation to govern every incident of every possible moment for every possible day for every possible man. And so they, they went in with the intention of extracting from the principles of God's law an infinite number of rules and regulations to govern every situation in life. And uh, one example that we could look at, I mean, there's so many of them, is how they perceive the Sabbath law. Now, the Bible uh, talks about the Sabbath law. It's very simple. We're told that we must remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and that on that day no work should be done either by man or by servants or by animals. That was the simplicity of God's instructions regarding the Sabbath day. But the Pharisees complicated the matter. Uh, For instance they decided that to tie a knot on the Sabbath was work. To tie a knot on the Sabbath was work. But that meant that the knot had to be defined. And so the, uh, the Pharisees, the scribes, got together and they said, the following are knots, of the making of which renders a man guilty of breaking the law. The knot of, a camel, of, the knot of camel drivers and that of sailors. So if a camel driver or a sailor tied a knot on the Sabbath or untied that knot, they were breaking the law. Now, on the other hand, if a knot could be tied using only one hand, that was okay. But if you had to use two hands to tie the knot, that was considered work, and that was breaking the rules. Also, it was okay for a woman to tie up a slit in her dress, or the strings of her cap, or those of her girdle, uh, the straps of shoes or sandals, the uh, the skins of wine and oil. So, This is what happened. Suppose a person needed some water on the Sabbath, and there was a well, and there was a bucket. That person could not tie a rope to the bucket, because that would require tying a knot, and that is breaking the Sabbath. However, what the person could do is tie the bucket to a woman's girdle, (laughs) because that was okay. And they spent their entire life with these little rules and restrictions, thinking that it was pleasing God. Another example is uh, taking a journey on the Sabbath. Exodus 16.29 says, Remain every man of you in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day, on the Sabbath. Now, a Sabbath day journey was limited limited to about 2,000 cubits. A cubit is the distance between, the average distance between the the fingers and the elbow, about 18 inches. So 2,000 cubits is roughly 1,000 yards. And so you weren't supposed to leave your residence any farther than 1,000 yards. But if you tied a string across the end of the street, the entire street now became your house. And so you could travel 1,000 yards beyond the string at the end of the block. Now, it was the scribes who worked out all of these regulations. It was the Pharisees who dedicated their lives to keeping them. And that's why in scriptures you oftentimes find the scribes and the Pharisees enumerated together. Now, notice what the scribes did. They took the Ten Commandments and uh, other regulations of God, and they codified them. They made thousands of rules and regulations. 
Notice what Jesus did. He took the Ten Commandments and God's regulations, and he simplified. When he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he says, Love God, love your neighbor. If you keep these two, which are one, you've kept all of the law and all of the prophets. So they codified things. Jesus simplified things. They had a religion based on rules. Jesus had a belief system based on relationship. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, and we'll pick up right here when we come back tomorrow for the Friday edition of our broadcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Highlands, where Pastor Leighton is senior minister, just go to the website highlands.us. All services are still online, but you'll want to check in on a regular basis because things do change rather quickly. That's highlands.us. And please remember... We are sponsored in part by those of you who listen and are blessed by this teaching. You can join with us and give safely when you go to that website again, highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow for more from Pastor Leighton Sheely in the book of John as we study verse by verse. This broadcast is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.